0: This person has, needs a root canal, yeah. mm-hmm. and they are going to, to their dentist. I don't think that they think, oh, how is the dentist going to, to perceive my, mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. gender? Mm-hmm. They're worried about, oh, is it going to be painful? Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> or how long am I going to take to recover? And mm-hmm. not, how is the receptionist going to look at me? Mm-hmm. Are they going to give me funny looks because I, I don't match the gender on my record?
1: Hello Globies! Welcome to the World Health Investigation Podcast. My name is Jocelyn. I'm Edna. We are young global health professionals and your
2: host for the World Health Investigation Podcast.
1: Also known as the WHI, we will be discussing all these global health, unpacking the most controversial health and social issues, as well as promoting new wave global health development and equity. So, Adina, what's the tea in global health today? We
2: have a lot of tea today. But before we even dive into that, we have a very special guest. A
1: beautiful, beautiful, beautiful say guest. Hello,
2: say hello to Yasmine.
3: Yeah.
2: Yasmeen is a GP and oh, she has oh. experience working in a transgender and non-binary
0: clinic. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: Say hello to the PTSD.
0: Hello, everyone. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm very I happy to tell have us yeah. a bit
0: more about yourself. Yeah, so I am a GP. I trained as a doctor and um, I work primarily with uh, trans and non binary and gender non conforming people mm-hmm. uh, who want to access gender affirming care. So, yeah, that's the summary of what I do. Perfect. <laughs> Yes, that leads us to our topic
2: of today, mm-hmm. our main topic. We are talking about healthcare for trans people or transgender people and
0: non binary
2: people and yeah. non gender conforming people.
0: Yeah. Yes. Because trans is an umbrella term that covers yes. a range of different gender identities or lack of a uh, feeling of gender. So it's uh, when we, I think today, as we use the word trans or transgender, we mm-hmm. mean. Uh, the all-encompassing term of transgender people, non-binary people, gender non-conforming people, or agender people. even. So, just uh, yeah. come yeah. at us with the
2: Y'all exactly <laughs> see why as yeah, Minnie's here is today? This is why we need her. <laughs> <And laughs> Minnie's here today for a reason. Otherwise. <laughs> <why. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so we'll start with our case study, and this is something Yasmin actually flagged to me. I didn't even know about this, and like when I looked at it, the place is literally like five minutes down the road. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, like,
0: yeah. We have a bu- uh, we have a building at the uni that we go to, um, that's in Tavistock. Place. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> it's
2: right there. So this is a story about how the NHS decided to close the Tavistock Gender Identity Clinic for children, yeah. and so this happened. July. July, yeah. This year. July yeah. To, like yeah. this summer. Very recent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very recent. I didn't even know about it. So, the NHS uh, shut down the Tavistock uh, Center and it is a gender identity clinic for children um, after the foundation was criticized uh, by an independent reviewer. So, to tell you a bit about like the Tavistock Clinic, it is named the Gender and Identity Development Service and it was launched more than 30 years ago. Uh, to help children and other young people struggling with their gender identity. Uh, so, in this critique that came out, the service was criticized for its care of patients of both inside and outside the clinic, if I out the situation correctly, um, and it was also criticized for having really long waiting lists. Mm, yeah. So doctors reported concerns that some patients were referred onto a gender transitioning pathway too quickly. This was the other concern that was raised. Yeah. Um, so we have a quote here from like the senior NHS source who was speaking to The Guardian where this article came from. They said, the aim is to close the Tavistock clinic by spring 2023 uh, and move the new provider, move to a new provider model through specialist children hospitals mm-hmm. is the idea. And so the children being seen at the Tavistock place currently um, will be transferred to a new provider um, You know, over the time. Yeah. Mm. So I think what I found most interesting in this article was like they specified the, the, the doctor specifically was making the recommendations. Her name was, is Dr. Hilary Cass. Uh, she's sort of the lead person on this independent review. Uh, and she said that there was insufficient evidence for her to make any firm recommendations around the routine use of puberty blockers. Mm-hmm. She told the NHS to enroll young people being considered for hormone treatment into a formal research protocol with adequate follow-up into adulthood with a more immediate focus on the questions regarding puberty blockers. And then they actually spoke to someone, her name is Kira Bell, who's 25, uh, and she brought a case to the High Court against the Tavistock Clinic, challenging the use of puberty blockers. Uh, and she said she was very pleased with the decision. She is yeah. over the moon.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so quite a, quite a, quite a brief it's there.
2: Thoughts, reactions, comments. Yes, I have me.
0: plenty. <laughs>
3: we'll
2: start with you. Yeah,
0: so just to sort of to move from the last thing that you said and, and uh, to, to where things started. Mm-hmm. Um, the case with Kira Bell mm-hmm. is, um, um, she's a person who when she was younger um, Wanted to access a gender affirming uh, treatment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as back at the time she believed um, that she was um, a transgender boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone assigned female at birth, um, and so shall we get into the terminology? I think now? we should get yeah. into the yeah, terminology. Yeah. It's Termin- about time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's
2: yeah. about time. So and uh, now have Yasmin guide me. So yeah. I thought we should start by defining sex.
0: What is sex? sex when do you say sex, <laughs> quite simply, because you know you, you'll find plenty of discourse on this. Mm-hmm. Quite simply, when a baby is born, mm-hmm. doctors will, um, or before they're born, like through yeah. ultrasound, mm-hmm. they look at their genitals and then they'll determine uh, if they're if this baby is a boy or a girl. Mm-hmm. And so, sex is, is determined based on uh, your the the. Genital external genitalia mm-hmm. um how your chromosome makeup so xx or xy yeah. but that you know from the very beginning there's a very binary uh, aspect to determining sex yeah um because it, it excludes people whose um genitalia are ambiguous so mm-hmm. intersex people for yes. example so there's there's a lot that we can go uh, go off on a tangent mm-hmm. uh there but sex Let's quite simply is biological mm-hmm. and assigned at birth. That's what we that's the terms that we like to use. Um, They're more inclusive and mindful of people of all different gender identities. So rather than say biological male or biological female, mm-hmm. um, it's we use assigned male at birth mm-hmm. um, for someone who's trans feminine mm-hmm. and assigned. Uh, female at birth for someone who is trans masculine, um, so yeah, yeah, perfect. Back to Kirabel though, <laughs> very quickly. So it's uh, because the it's it's a very um, politicized issue, mm-hmm. the the treatment of, of young trans people. Yeah, um, and and so Kirabel accessed gender affirming uh, care through the NHS, mm-hmm. and then a few years later, um, she a court. There was a court case um, against the Tavistock that they allowed her to get um, puberty blockers and uh, testosterone, mm-hmm. and some of the effects of uh, hormones are permanent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now she was thinking that I should not have, uh, re- I should not have been cleared to get this treatment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so there was a ruling. That children cannot consent mm. to um, accessing puberty blockers or wow. gender affirming treatments, mm-hmm. and that's the and from that was uh, came up the need or recommendation to n- make things slower for young trans people, which is a an issue in and of itself. Yeah, a huge issue, but you know, yeah, that's um, in brief
2: <laughs> the situation. <laughs> thank you for that context um okay so we've talked about sex i just want to make sure that everyone we're we're all on the same page you know (laughs) i also also have to take the time to like break it down um i want to move on to what we mean when we speak about gender Mm. so jocelyn i'll start with you already like what do you understand by gender
1: my understanding of gender would probably be what society Mm -hmm. has determined that gender is a social construct so um as Yasmin just described you may be assigned at birth a particular sex but then you feel like you're not of that sex right so you are of a different gender essentially so my understanding of gender is yeah it's a social construct that's literally what i have to say <laughs> yeah
2: for me the first thing that I thought like these days I actually struggle a lot to like understand like okay when we talk about masculinity versus femininity mm-hmm. one of the first things that come in my head of like okay gender to me is when you you know it's certain behaviors that we have associated with like being a man and being a woman mm. but it is just that like associations mm. and i feel like it's so vague yeah. because mm-hmm. you start to see people with like okay um, they may be ha- behave in more feminine ways but that doesn't make them less of a man no. or yeah. it's a woman and they behave in more ways that we consider masculine, but that doesn't make them less of a woman. Yes. You know? Speaking
1: of, just to add on to that, <laughs> I think gender, I always see these videos on how to channel your femininity, how to embrace your masculinity, yeah. and I'm thinking, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, obviously like, I, I identify as a woman, right, yeah. yeah. This is woman, yeah? but it doesn't mean that i necessarily want to be told that this is how you should behave mm-hmm, yeah. um, i naturally i also i would say i have characteristics in my behavior would pass as okay she she behaves like a oh, A woman, yeah. yeah. But then, um, when I see these videos sometimes on YouTube, I feel even I as a cis woman, I feel a lot of pressure. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. you need to, you know, be pleasing, soft and pleasant, and dress a certain way, and wear orange, and you know, I've 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 heard that before.
0: I hate orange. I don't
1: like that color at wow. all. I, I never want
0: you know to
2: dress in that color it up.
1: That's I a out. bad color. What
0: do you... Hey, <laughs> we're cutting this part
1: out. okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you get it. It's closed. we get to love it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but this yeah. is not about the color orange. We're yeah. speaking about gender, right? But then these associations, like these colors, this behavior, the way you speak, the way you dress, the way you walk, that can essentially yeah. determine how the society you live in perceives your gender. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you have anything to add about
2: what, um, you, what gender. What, what I would, I
0: agree with with both what you, what you guys said, but I would add that um, some for for some people they think of gender as um, what your body is biologically able to do. So, mm. Uh, mm. but. And those are what we would call gender-critical uh, people, you know. So for them, being a woman is having a female reproductive system and mm-hmm. being able to um, uh, bear children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's, you know, oftentimes this will be a point of criticism for people. It's like, no, gender and biological sex are one and the same, and you cannot, like, you cannot change this, mm-hmm. uh, you cannot... Act differently, even if you transition, you're still um, a woman or still a man, mm-hmm. even though... Ju- and just because someone has specific organs inside of their body or outside yeah. of their body, that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, it doesn't make them the gender that they identify with and mm-hmm. who they really are. So yeah. yeah. I just had a
2: follow-up question to this. It's like, do you, do you guys then think that like, gender is fluid? Um, yes. I'm I'm a yes, too.
1: Yeah. I I think for me, personally, I'm going to be honest, I don't feel fluid in my gender, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I understand people that would say, yeah, at a certain part of my life, I felt more, um, I felt... Like maybe like a, like a teenager would say okay I, I definitely want to you know I feel like I'm, I'm meant to be a woman and then they grow up and say actually I actually want to even transition and get that gender affirmative um, uh, care so I think I, I've heard um different trans people say that um it va- sometimes varies like the way they feel as well it yeah. can it can vary quite a lot so I can understand why yes gender fluidity is, is a thing yeah it is yeah yeah, yeah.
0: I, I would agree because it's it's you know it's it doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily my experience mm-hmm. uh, of how I perceive my own gender, but um, I completely understand people who who do feel that way. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's I don't think it should be up for debate. Mm. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, but then maybe I'm very passionate
1: and excited <laughs> <laughs> about it. So I, I, if <laughs> we're to make it a debate, right? I think the the argument that I've heard, right, is that um, your that that if you're if you're claiming that if, like, you feel gender fluid, sometimes mm-hmm. it's not necessarily about your feelings. That's what they say. It's like, it's like okay, with biology, it's like you can't necessarily put feelings into biology because feelings always change. Yeah, that's the argument that I've heard people saying that like, okay. With biology, it's literally um, uh, the X chromosome, and you have this sex, and and just because society maybe society has uh, imposed like gender roles and whatnot, you're particularly angry at society. But the way you feel is not necessarily um, the way that you know your actual physiology is.
0: Yeah, because I, I would say it's it's, it's it's very clear in the naming. It's it's gender fluid, not sex fluid. So mm-hmm. I mean no one is claiming um um that they can change or be fluid in their s- biological sex. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but but in their gender identity and their gender expression mm-hmm. um that can be fluid. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I would definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I, like I said I just these days to even try to think of like okay what is what does it mean to be masculine what does it yeah. mean to be feminine yeah. it just feels very arbitrary to yeah, me nowadays I, guess, I think yeah. based as well on like just yeah. different different types of men yeah. and women that I've seen it just like honestly it, it almost doesn't matter it's like you can just be as
0: and that seems to be a yeah. question that we that people always ask of, of trans people mm-hmm. rather than cis, bec- cis people as well because no one walks up to a cis person and asks them uh, what does being a woman feel like to you or why do you want to be a woman or mm-hmm. prove to me that you're a woman or yeah. uh, mm-hmm. prove to me why I should treat you as a woman. And, mm-hmm. and But it, it's always trans people who are being put under that microscope yeah. And, yeah. and in some cases denied Basic, basic rights like accessing healthcare, for example, mm-hmm. um, just because the whoever is on the other side of that conversation is just like, I don't get it, therefore, yeah. I'm not going to entertain the fact that there is a, a human being uh, who just happens to be trans mm-hmm. and they need help or they need care or they are just living their day to day life. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yep. so exactly. And
1: then just, just Quickly to add mm-hmm. to that, I think even beyond like even like the trans community, we've seen that even like the cis community, we have understood that gender roles can be problematic. Mm-hmm. Like just as just that <laughs> binary we, we know, like yeah. just because <laughs> I'm old doesn't I mean I, I particularly do all the things that women are, per- are perceived to do you yeah, know like, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't mean that even like personally I don't feel oh <laughs> <sighs> I have embraced yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah remember
1: that book
2: we were reading by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie there's that line we liked it was what like my vagina does not come pre-installed with an instruction manual for cooking, cooking. or something oh, like yes. that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean yeah. so that's why to me things end up being ridiculous like what does the vagina have to do with like yeah, mm.
0: taking
1: care,
2: <laughs> nurturing. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> naturally, <laughs> nurturing, naturally <laughs> I, I'm sure everyone knows people in their lives who like, just for lack of a, just to generalize, who know women who are not nurturing, and mm. they know men who are very nurturing, mm. and even if someone, if someone is in the, um, quote unquote, regular family setup, which mm-hmm. is. Uh, um, a cis mom, a cis dad and then uh, children uh, you, you, like the roles of being a mom or a dad aren't, they aren't fixed No. Mm. It, society has told us that they should be fixed otherwise you're a bad mom or a bad dad mm. or, and it's always it all happens to be you're always a bad mom no one I ever, I, I don't think I've ever <laughs> <laughs> like heard of people criticizing men as being bad dads, but mm. not that I want that to happen. Yeah. But that's a story for another time, I, think I guess. The bad
3: dads are <laughs> just the think? ones that are
0: not there. What do you think though? I think I think, but I mean, that's
1: that's one extreme. Boys. Yeah. So I'm like yeah. I'm thinking the bad dads are the absent father. <laughs>
0: <deadly, the deadly laughs> yeah. The it's it's but anyway, it's like gender roles or um roles of a, a parents. Mm-hmm. They 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 can. Be they can vary greatly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, mom doesn't have to be the one who cooks, no, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Th-
2: for me, the other thing as well is to also point out, like, I've seen people as well who are very comfortable fitting into the like traditional, yeah, mm-hmm. de- like gender roles, like, woman who will be like, you know, my husband, he's the one that earns the money, he's the head of the house, mm-hmm. I'm a housewife, I just stay at home and take care of the kids. I'm happy to make sure dinner's ready for him.
1: That's just how we do our things. And and just, just to add up <laughs> to that, think me personally, um, I actually grew up in a very traditional family where my, yeah. my my mom and she like she she did work, like she did work, but at the end of the day, it was her that did yeah. the cooking. And even if she didn't do the cooking, she was kind of assigned to be taking care of the micromanagement yeah. in the household. The kitchen. The, kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> the decoration. It was yeah. her and my dad working, right? Yeah. And being the, the main breadwinner. Um and even with that I've seen it I've seen it being problematic, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I also see that in, a, in many African households it is a thing that our assigned gender, um, gender roles that do work. Like we've seen it, it does work. But I do think in particular in today's society, the way we work, the 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 type of jobs that we do yeah, okay. it no longer really caters for gender roles it's very difficult to be a full-time mom with a full-time job with doing all these things in the kitchen and coming back or and if you're a dad you, you yeah you, if you don't have to cook it's come it, it, it is it is mess. Yeah. so just 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 to just to um uh, stress what you said earlier that i think yeah with gender roles we've we've seen that yeah even more traditionally it is it, it can be become quite complicated yeah. So I guess just to keep it moving,
3: mm-hmm. we have
2: gone into sex, which is more to do, you know, biological and physiological characteristics and, you know, success and at birth. Mm-hmm. We have gender, which I think we're all like, OK, it's just societal norms and behaviors and traditional ways we think about a man, or woman, how they behave. Mm-hmm. Now, gender identity.
0: What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, gender identity refers to a person's internal and individual experience of gender, which may or may not correspond to the sex they were assigned at birth. So, I think Johnson even alluded to this: it's like how inside this feel, your gender is. Mm -hmm,
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, If I can jump in here and say that, you know, um, if to simplify things someone can be cisgender or transgender Mm -hmm. and that so if if my gender identity matches the sex that I was assigned at birth then I'm a cisgender person. Um, So for example I'm a a cis woman because I was assigned female at birth, I identify as a woman, I'm a cis uh, person. Um, For someone whose gender identity doesn't match uh, what the sex that they were assigned at birth, they're transgender, mm-hmm. keep in mind that trans is an umbrella term like we uh, mentioned at the beginning, yeah. but yeah, that's it's, it's very simple really, you know. Mm-hmm. I think,
2: yeah, I, I think, to be honest, I feel like it's quite simple to us Yeah. and quite simple to me just because I've grown up like here in the UK, Switzerland, but I do feel as if like maybe some of my family or people I know back home will just Yeah, yeah. By the time you get to gender identity
1: you've lost them <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so, I think
1: it's good that we, we need to break it down because yeah. we're speaking to a very, very wide audience. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah
0: Yeah.
3: Okay.
1: And then I think the last thing to touch on,
2: because I feel like sometimes people are like, Okay, now where does gay and lesbian come in? Ah, yeah. So what is sexual orientation?
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Sexual orientation is just more to do with who you are attracted to, right? Yeah. Sexually who are you attracted to?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. it. Yeah, and it it doesn't have to do with gender. No. Um so, yeah. It's I mean, cuz for for people who are uh like you could be a trans woman, for example,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um and be a lesbian because you will, if you're sexually attracted to other women, um, then you're a lesbian. You're not a straight man mm-hmm. who is deciding to be a a, a a woman. No, you're actually. So it's really separate. You could be a trans woman and be straight because you'll be attracted to men. So yes, honestly, you know, removing the the cis or trans part of the. Uh, of The label, and then looking at a person
3: mm-hmm.
0: if they're a man who likes men, they're gay, yeah. If they're a man who likes uh women, uh, they're they're straight, yeah. If they like mm-hmm. both, then they're bi, yeah. So it's it's really it, it doesn't have to do it like skip the cis or trans, yeah, prefix and, and focus on the, the person themselves, yeah. Perfect, <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, and I'll just quickly go through this because, um. I am always aware of the impact of colonization on our world <laughs> mm-hmm. and how this has also you know, impacted gender, gender identity, and how we look at different gender concepts. So I'll just do like a quick run through. I'll link to resources. I'll just reading around like different concepts of gender around the world. Mm-hmm. So for example, in Thailand, we have the Katoi. I'm probably pronoun- pronouncing that wrong. Uh, and in normally in Thailand, this is a transgender woman or transgender women and effeminate gay men and a lot of times you find that in thailand it's quite normal they can be very high profile people models actors singers tv personalities in thailand um in we have the hijra that i came across Mm -hmm. and this is actually a third gender that is acknowledged in hindu society Mm -hmm. um so you actually look through like like ancient Hindu texts that are like thousands of years old, and you have references to people who are hijra, and it's really acknowledged as like a third gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually, these are people who are born male, but they look and dress in traditionally female ways. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, some of them, uh, but not all of them, will actually go through a ceremony where they'll like castrate themselves, mm-hmm. um, and you know they'll remove their male genitalia as an offering to the goddess. Hmm. But Mata. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah. What I thought was interesting was actually like in twenty fourteen, um, in India and in Nepal and Bangladesh, they actually officially recognized hijra as like the third identity.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I can hear people protesting to that already. So. Oh, <laughs> the, 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 no, not like. Um, <laughs> the the, the transphobes Mm. Ah, (laughs) the transphobes is the world tell Mm. them Mm. Mm. then um
2: if we move to like the north americas we have the idea of two spirits which you find a lot in indigenous american communities Mm. and this idea that you have people you know naturally born they have both male and female spirits and actually before colonization the two-spirit people were included and were very respected within their communities mm-hmm. and valued members. They would, you know, have roles as healers, matchmakers, counselors, among other things. Mm-hmm. Then the last one I want to, I found was the Sekrata in Madagascar, uh, and these are typically effeminate men. Um, mm-hmm. And what I found interesting was that sometimes it can even be identified from a young age. So young boys who are believed to exhibit feminine characteristics are considered socrata from like really early on. Yeah. And once this identity has been assigned to them, they'll actually, you know, raise them, wearing like jewelry, traditional women's clothing and mm-hmm, styles, mm-hmm. this kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So, gender around the world. Gender around yeah. the world.
2: Please, and like, I highly encourage people to look into it. There's so many that I didn't touch on and it's like really yeah. interesting history, especially yeah. about like, Before colonization, after colonization, really worth thinking about. Mm -hmm. So, guys, we're here. Global health professionals. (laughs) Why young, young young global
1: (laughs) health professionals? Very young. Yeah. (laughs) Why should we care Mm -hmm. about trans people? Because we should.
0: (laughs) I think because we uh, global health professionals should care for any group of people who are underserved um, and trans people are underserved uh, in many, many countries, uh, both high-income countries, low-income countries. And so it's a deficit that we have Mm -hmm. that we need to address. Yes, yes, 100%.
1: Um, From my perspective, I always go back to universal health coverage. Mm. Access to care. Mm-hmm. No one left behind. No one. Yeah. And to me, I always preach that. Like no one. Not the children. Not the women. Not the trans. Not trans people. And I think that and I think that sometimes um, I don't hear about it a lot in global health, to mm. be honest. I, I think I always see um, I always see like issues around, I don't know, like food or like healthcare, but not specifically for trans people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just think that if there's a need for it, there's a demand for it, then it should be addressed.
2: Yeah. Um, I really like what you brought up about, you know, no one left behind uh, Yasmin, what you said as well. And for me, it's always a reminder as well, when you also think about a lot of like, gay liberation movements civil rights movements in america it's like trans people were very instrumental in those and they were there in the streets as well fighting for everyone's rights Mm -hmm. but when it is now their turn we don't really fight as hard for them Mm -hmm. um so i think it's really important for like everyone to be you know you know to care about this Mm -hmm. um so let's just dive a little bit into like what is the experience of trans people when it comes to healthcare, their health needs discrimination, criminalization. There's a whole range of things. We won't even dive into all of it. So I thought, why not start by actually hearing some, you know, testimonies from different trans people and their experiences with healthcare, because I was quite shocked by what I found. (laughs) So um, I don't know, Jocelyn, would you like to kick us off?
1: So this is a message from Robin, preferred pronouns she, her, hers. In general, I've been blessed with a good primary care physician and an endocrinology doctor, but I was seeing a specialist for different uh, for a different medical problem, and my records uh, and everything all said female. I have everything changed, and the guy looked at it and went through all those steps, and then he said, "So do you dress full time as a woman?" I was stunned.
0: It's like, do you dress full-time as a man? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 It's always good to reflect the question back onto the... The people who ask them, like, oh, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> our second uh, testimony is from um, someone called Grey. Preferred pronouns he, him, his. Um, and gray says that the biggest horror story that I had was going to the pharmacy to pick up my first testosterone prescription I was nerve-wracked already because it's like such an emotional thing to, to like finally get the golden ticket ends up being like a dollar so it's just the syringes there's no medicine four people later in about 20 minutes they finally look it up in the computer and they're like oh yeah oops I Throughout the entire process, I have to say my legal name, which isn't the name I go by, Mm. out loud to the whole entire store. Oh, no. And I'm basically outing myself to everyone around me. Yeah. And that's not wanting to hide. Mm. That's just about staying safe.
3: Mm. Um,
0: Like some people hear that and they might follow me to my car and bash my head in. (sighs)
2: And the last one here is coming from Ethan, preferred pronouns they, them. The way that it's set up at least to even access care as a trans person for being trans is an issue. Just walking into a medical clinic gives me a lot of anxiety because I have no idea what I'm going to be asked or even how to fill out paperwork. I don't know if I'm going to my endocrinologist, they're looking for me to write F or M Mm -hmm. because I don't know what they're looking at. Mm-hmm. are they asking about testosterone levels do they really need to know exactly what my chromosome are
3: mm-hmm. yeah
2: yeah so mm-hmm. any 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 particular
1: ones that surprised you guys i mean none of them out. really surprised me mm-hmm. but the one that stood out to me was probably the second one mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. um yeah though like obviously Thinking at it like as a healthcare professional, if you're going into or if you're going into a hospital, you're expecting a patient, yeah. you don't necessarily think, oh, they could be worried about their safety. Mm. Don't you don't, don't really think about that. Obviously, yeah. I always yeah. um um I'm aware of, of sometimes the, the the threats that people give to trans people, which is absolutely unacceptable but to think of it even as at a hospital it's like that's the one place where you should feel safe mm. um but no it's not, not the case. case yeah and i think that that is so uh, it should be kept confidential you don't have to disclose that kind of information if you're not ready to yet especially considering yeah. the society we live in especially with like the trans people being attacked and even like the homophobia and transphobia going on so
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah i
0: think that's what's yeah. allowed to me yeah yeah i yeah. know you um, I'm unfortunately not surprised with these stories because, regardless of where these three people are in in the world geographically, the experience of of trans people in healthcare, the negative experiences are mm. very close um, to one another. Um, in that, you know, it addresses confidentiality, mm. privacy, mm. safety, which are three basic. Um, human rights for for anyone mm-hmm. especially so if you're if you're you know in a healthcare setting mm-hmm. if you're in that vulnerable position of wanting any kind of care
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, that shouldn't happen and I think one of the main reasons why this is often the case is there's no formal education mm-hmm. uh, program um, um, for you know concerning trans issues trans health care um, in medical schools um, in nursing schools, mm. it's something that, if it happens, it's usually self-led initiatives by uh, people in the workplace who will want to educate other um, colleagues on this. So it's if, if, if doctors, trainees, healthcare professionals, pharmacists, all these people, you know, that um, um, who come in contact with a patient or a person who's accessing care, if they're not aware of the simple things like being mindful of pronouns, mm-hmm. not outing someone, mm-hmm. not on purpose, you know, just if, if someone's legal name um, in the healthcare record is different than what they go by, mm-hmm. to actually respect that and use it mm-hmm. um, so that, you know, it's, it's, it's a struggle for a lot of trans people at the very initial step of contact with, um, of any healthcare professional in a healthcare setting, so. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, for me personally, the one that stood out was actually the last one. Um, um, Ethan, who was just, d- had anxiety about how to even answer paperwork. Mm. Yeah. Um, and this is this is not one I included, but I linked to um, in the description. It was actually about trans uh, adolescents. And I remember one of them saying that uh, they felt as if when they went to a clinic they were educating the doctors more and speaking (laughs) more about their own experience than the doctor was trying to actually help them with the issue that they came with Mm -hmm. and to me that is just like i feel like there's just like that disconnect between like the trans patients and doctors in terms of like the doctors don't know what's going on yeah like Mm. ethan is highlighting here he's also not sure what's going on because at least classic they they, you're right oh my god (laughs)
0: And, they and that's fi- it's fine to you know whenever you uh, use someone's incorrect pronouns, you just use the right ones. Apologize. Don't make a don't make a big deal out of it. Don't draw attention to it. And go on. <laughs> they. <Yeah. laughs> they.
2: Um. We're talking about like. I feel like classically in medicine, we always talk about this like asymmetry of information, right? Where like the doctor typically knows more than mm-hmm. a patient. Yeah. However, like we're seeing with a lot of trans people, it's like sometimes the patients may end up knowing more than the yeah. doctor. Yeah. yeah. And now you're also like, but I still don't know what the doctor wants to know. Yeah. And what I need yeah. to tell what them. What he's
1: he or she is supposed to know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I it's I'm not. Surprise! It is very sad because the one place where you should feel safe is a hospital. Like, I get it, right? Society is messed up. We've agreed. But the one place... (laughs) (laughs) Not one we can all say, yes. But then the one place, at least the medical professionals, like you should be trained for these things. Like, even with... I remember I did my bachelor's in medical science. I never learned anything to do with Trans healthcare, none yeah. of that, right? And um, and I only like did it like in an internship where I actually had to learn, go ahead and learn like um, the the barriers to, to to healthcare for the LGBTQIA plus community. So I think that to me it is quite shocking that like, why mm-hmm. do you not have that in the curriculum? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? No, no genuinely. <laughs> like, why? That's
0: my like genuinely. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, cuz you know, the, one of the first things that you get taught in, in med school when you're doing your clinical rotations is how to conduct an interview with a patient or discuss their history with mm-hmm. them, their presenting complaint, regardless mm-hmm. of what it is. Yeah. And you know, it's it's a very basic thing to to ask someone how they would like to be addressed, what their sex is, what their gender is, and that's not covered. Mm. That's not covered anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so now if you don't have uh, protocols, processes in, in healthcare facilities and healthcare settings on how to deal with, with, uh, with people of all genders and ages and, and every, every different thing, um, it, 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 it becomes up to the person themselves mm. and their opinions, their yeah. beliefs. Mm-hmm. Whether they are um, siding with or against trans people, mm-hmm. some, it, you know, so so, it, and that's not that's not proper care. Yeah. Um, if, if you don't have standards, if you don't have uh, rules, um, then it's just up to every person, and that shouldn't be the case. Because mm-hmm. what if someone is a one doctor is is very trans friendly, they're understanding, they're aware, they've done their self-education, but then the other is absolutely not. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's there. There's a deficit there. There Yeah,
2: no, that's that's what I found quite shocking of like, I think the overwhelming thing when it came to barriers was this uh, perceived or like almost assumed stigma that you might face. In a healthcare setting, in particular, Mm -hmm. some people were saying, "Ah, no, I don't go to the dentist. (laughs) I I don't do any of that. I don't schedule, you know, pap smears or whatever it may be that 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 may be necessary because of that stigmatization." I completely understand because even me, I would. I would say i'm actually not sure if the doctor would understand like i don't know how they're gonna treat you you also Mm -hmm. don't know how the doctor is like in terms of their own personal views like they might be transphobic Mm. and you wouldn't know they're just treating you rough and you're like what's going on (laughs) (laughs)
0: honestly and the the simple the very simple and practical example is if if a cis person has needs a root canal yeah and they are going to, to their dentist i don't think that they think, oh, how is a dentist going to, to perceive my, yeah. my gender? Oh, no. They're worried about, oh, is it going to be painful? If, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> or how long am I going to take to recover? And mm. not, how is the receptionist going to look at me? Mm-hmm. Are they going to give me funny looks because I, I don't match the gender on my record? And things like that. So it's, and it's stuff that, that it's a privilege that cis people have and they don't think of um but trans folks do unfortunately and imagine if you had barriers to every step of the way Mm. and always wondering am I going to be safe things like that because safety is a huge thing
2: yeah yeah and I feel like we even see this as a problem in high-income countries which you know normally have you know seem to be very like accepting and tolerant like now I think about what about in the middle income yeah. context, like, would you even dare, um, you no. know, try and find, like,
1: w- I don't even know what you mean. I, I know in many, like, I think about, is it about 30, something in the 30s out of the fifty two African countries so don't, don't even, I think they, they don't prohibit. What is it? They, they don't even allow homosexuality.
3: Mm. Yeah, but it's it's pun- it's
1: criminalized, punishable, yeah, punishable by death by in some in some death. countries. So it's
2: it's yeah, I think in many it's it's quite a, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I personally can speak from like the Zim context. It was an mm-hmm. article I was reading as well, just to try and understand. Yeah, you know, in a low middle income country, like mm-hmm. what is what is the journey there? Um, and specifically in Zim, so it's not as if there's a law particularly criminalizing being trans. Yeah. But there is just gray areas in the law. What is very clear is like homosexuality, having sex with a man, and stuff like this that is criminalized. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, yes, so Zimbabwe is one of, like you're saying, 32 African countries out of 54 where same sex intercourse is outlawed. um, And there was actually a case I was reading about a woman in Zimbabwe where she um, entered a woman's bathroom and she was charged with a criminal nuisance. Uh, so this is just like giving the context there in Zim as to understanding, okay, in such a context where you're not even ex- uh, accepted, there's a mm-hmm. lot of discrimination, how do you even exist as a yeah. trans person? Where do you find care? Um, and I see that, I was seeing in the article that many people will actually like, smuggle in like like hormones, for example, from neighboring countries Botswana, Mm. South Africa, and the major concern there was (laughs) Yasmin, no better is that hormones, they have a particular shelf life and like a temperature which they need to be kept at some forms of them. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. but when it's being smuggled, you just generally have no idea where it's come
3: from. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's um, uh, and just to quickly reflect on how things are in in Egypt. Mm. Uh, I'm from Egypt and Um, how so trans people can access care Mm
3: -hmm.
0: but only through specific uh, government hospitals uh, because otherwise you wouldn't uh, complete the steps that they have for you that they force you to go through Mm -hmm. Um, and because at the end you need the the paper that allows you to change your legal documents mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the funny thing is in, in, in a very sad way I mean um, is that trans people in Egypt some of them some of them will if, if we if we get over um, you know how, how some trans people are stigmatized by their own families and mm-hmm. kicked out of their home mm-hmm. so if someone is lucky enough to have a supportive family mm-hmm. or is able to access that care and they go through their assessments. They go through hormone replacement therapy. Mm-hmm. They even have uh, gender affirming surgeries, mm-hmm. but they're they still have an identity card that says uh, male, mm-hmm. even though they're quote unquote fully female and mm-hmm. fully female in the eyes of the Egyptian healthcare system. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you can only imagine how how that is like if um, if, if 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 you get stopped by a random police search, which, things that happen in, in my country, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and you don't match. You, you're going to get, and, and trans activists in Egypt have been thrown in jail, That that is not so, so. Um, a very famous um, trans activist, mm-hmm. Egyptian trans activist called Melek Akashif, mm-hmm. um, she was imprisoned in a men's prison Oh. and she's a woman so but because her identity card said uh, man and had her old name mm-hmm. so so it's like you yeah, know things aren't aren't imagine being dropped
1: yeah prison of men mm-hmm. identifying as a woman it's
3: that. <laughs> <laughs> like they're just dropping the lines awesome. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's, it's, yeah 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 all my days um, but yeah, I I always had a, a question in terms of if you identify as trans, mm-hmm. is it necessary to go through with a gender reassignment surgery?
0: No. 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 You, you don't have to. Um, it really depends on what every person wants from their transition, mm-hmm. uh, what they, uh, cause not just like not all cis people are the same not all trans people are the same, (laughs) so not everyone wants um, gender-affirming surgeries and gender-affirming surgeries can um, just summarize it to like you have facial surgeries Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, you have top surgery and bottom surgery Mm -hmm. Um, that's you know um, things like uh, breast augmentation Mm. not every trans woman wants that because maybe Achieve breast growth from hormones, Mm -hmm. um, but I I would say from from experience is that most uh trans men or trans masculine people will want top surgery, which is surgical removal of the breasts Mm -hmm. because um, of how uh dysphoric that makes them feel Mm -hmm. and how it triggers their gender dysphoria, which is um, uh, you know, a, a very serious condition. So if Someone, someone could have. Uh, not, a, not everyone is the same. That's, that's, that's what always surprises me when people criticize um, uh, healthcare for trans people and say, "I oh, want, you know, everyone should have that surgery. Everyone should have that. Mm-hmm. Should go through that same path." And it, it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of. It's not a recipe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not at all. So you, you don't have to have a uh, gender-affirming surgery if you, if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a
1: little like sidetracking question. Mm-hmm. This is I'm just asking this me. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, oh, do you think that that transphobic, mm-hmm. transphobia and gender and, and trans
0: critical are the same? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say yes. Uh, I'm I'm not sure how people who are. Uh, Gender critical are able to separate themselves from the transphobic um, movement that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, they're they're one and the same, honestly, because it can be it can be very easy to discuss these things and philosophize them mm-hmm. and have a, a debate, a discussion. But at the end of the day, how does that translate into practical? uh, into day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's,
2: uh, it, I, I think they're one and the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what, um, for some of us here, what is the difference between transphobia and transcritical? She just said they are the same. <laughs> the like, no, not not like, why do some people think <laughs> I there might be a difference? Like, what is, what is the debate about?
1: Yeah, I think it's about, I think with the, what I was reading something around, like, okay, um, I think transphobia, what is transphobia? First of all, let's define that term. Transphobia is any dislike, discomfort, and refusal to accept a person's um, gender identity, Mm -hmm. essentially. So, like, refusing to say their pronoun the way they want to be addressed Mm. and whatnot. That's Mm -hmm. transphobia. Mm -hmm. And the gender critical stuff was more around asking questions, like, for example, with the, you know the Kathleen Jenner? Kathleen yes. Jenner, when, she, when, when she changed her her gender, she actually like had got the gender affirmative care and became a, a woman. Um, she, they were kind of saying that, oh, there are questions around, oh, if you, if you are, um, if you are, okay, if you were initially a man mm-hmm. and then you change, you become a woman and you're still attracted to women, um, how do you know that it's not based on your feelings? And they're just asking, they stu- I think it's still like one person will say, Yeah, it's transphobic, but then they're just saying, okay, we need to be able to ask questions and say, for example, if a doctor is um trying to diagnose a patient, mm-hmm. right? Like based on do like a differential diagnosis and, and try to understand, for example, that they may be at risk of having prostate cancer or um, cervical cancer screening and whatnot, mm-hmm. and they're trying to look at the sex, and that because that's usually how um, you would diagnose someone is if they're at risk of these certain things. Like, how do you um, medically, like, how do you fit in those two together? Because at like biologically, um, mm-hmm. it's quite difficult to to separate that. Knowing that, for example, if you're not able to menstruate as a, a a trans man. A trans man, um, then yeah, you will not be uh, eligible for the screening, so it, it really, does, that's usually the... That's,
0: uh, yeah, it's interesting though because um, while there are a lot of health disparities for, for trans people all, all around the world, um, in the NHS, for example, mm-hmm. um, if you're uh, a trans man, you can get invited to uh, um, cervical uh, cancer screening, mm-hmm. But if your GP records um, show, you know, show the, the gender marker that female, which mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, so that's that's when the system would say, oh, when if you have that gender marker, if you're above the age of so and so, then you will get invited to uh, to screening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when someone changes their legal marker, mm-hmm. um, you can still flag that. You can ask. Uh, your g p um to still invite you for uh for that screening because mm-hmm. if you change your gender marker then the system won't automatically yeah. invite you to uh, to go ahead and do the screening mm-hmm. um, and the same for trans women as well um you know they won't get invited to prostate cancer screening mm-hmm. um, unless they you know they have the 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 marker that says male mm-hmm. um or if they actually, you know, actively um, seek that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and because if, medically speaking, if you have the organ in your body, mm-hmm. um, then you should check for diseases that could um, affect that organ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
3: yeah.
2: Yeah, so I think what that just made me think about was even when I was reading around, it seemed like it was difficult even for researchers to be able to even say what proportion of certain populations were trans. Mm-hmm. And that also just had me wondering if we think it's necessary, like even in research now, when we, you know, we always record male, female, yeah. man, woman, like yeah, baseline characteristics. That's, that's should we now also
1: incorporate gender identity?
3: Yeah. Do think you think that that's going to be in my
1: dissertation, I did do that. Yeah. I had a, I had sex like male female and then we have gender identity um ones but that that was because that was more for like the HIV study though yeah mm-hmm. around like HIV and COVID because it was relevant mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it might not be relevant in in every single study I
0: think it people. depends on the study mm-hmm. uh, what the study design is what we're tr- what the qu- research question is yeah um you know because um, it, it really will depend um rather than because we know that statistically speaking, um, it's, it's easier to, uh, to analyze a data set without getting too technical if you have less variables. Mm-hmm. And for lots of research questions, um, you know, things like, um, is heart disease more common in men or women? What uh, do we do we need um, to ask about people's gender as well, because you know we're um, when we're when we ask a question like that, it's usually related to biological sex and then the hormone makeup that that you will have yeah. if you are a woman or a man. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a, a huge gap in medical literature for uh, trans healthcare, mm-hmm. um, and and so rather than ask the question like, should we? Uh, we we definitely need to ask about people's genders, mm-hmm. but not for every single um, study. Study, you know. It's, no, yeah. it, it will really depend. Um, mm. I would. Think I'm a bit torn with this
3: one. You know? Oh, okay.
1: I'm a bit torn because it's like okay, should we make it the norm? Because it's it's because if we're gonna refer to if we're gonna refer to sex right in the study, it's almost like we know that sometimes like the social, we know most of the time the social life has a big impact on yeah. um, um, your health like the social determinants of health. Mm-hmm. So now I'm thinking, I'm waiting this question, I think we should, like for most studies I think now, I'm
0: changing my mind. <laughs> no, no, it's
1: fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's, I think it's a, you know, it, it really will depend on what your, what you're trying to to figure out when you're doing a specific study, what what population are you going to include or exclude, mm-hmm. uh, and whether or not. It, so if the question, uh, if you feel like there's a justification to ask about someone's uh, gender identity, mm-hmm. um, then by all means include that. I would say that <laughs> it is something that we should ask about in any healthcare setting in any. Patient intake form. Um, Mm. This is something that should, because you know what, most a lot, not most, but lots of studies are done based on data that is already there in the medical record. And so, you know, if we start including that, maybe in the future, because we have access to that extra bit of info, it will um, it will help us. Um, So I think it definitely should be incorporated. Yes, okay. that leads me on to my next
1: question, if I'm allowed, Edna. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All the questions. Um, You mentioned how uh, the use of, um, like medi- mu- let's say, incorporating it in the medical field, right? So now that leads me on to my question around um, the use of uh, gender-neutral terms in the medical field. So mm. should we apply gender-neutral terms in the medical field when a child is born?
0: <laughs> Can you give an example or a context so of that? So
1: I, I I I was watching this YouTube video. because mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to look into um the experiences of trans people in Africa. Mm. In particular because I always hear of this in in Europe and mm-hmm. I feel I feel that there's not it's not, it's a bit of a taboo mm-hmm. um, in many African countries. So I saw this case, this documentary, well, an interview, I think, mm-hmm. um, of this woman, um, this interviewer, and she, she was interviewing a trans woman,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, one of them was a trans activist as well, and she said that, she was asked a similar question, and she said that at birth, she didn't like the fact that she was assigned uh, um, as a man. She didn't like that. She wished she was just, she was just, she wishes she was just not assigned anything until she would decide um, that, okay, now I want to be a woman. And i am then identify as a woman. So she was saying that it should be the case everywhere where everyone can then grow and then decide the type of gem- the gender that they want to be, uh, they want to identify as. What are your thoughts?
2: The first thing that came into my head is why would we just stop at at birth you know what i mean because it's like it's not necessarily just in the hospital and the assigning of a particular mm-hmm. sex to you based on your you know genitals mm-hmm. that's like a factor here it's also like about society and how society will perceive you mm-hmm. obviously if growing up as a child you look like a girl people will start treating you like a girl mm-hmm. um and they'll like those like roles and expectations onto you Mm -hmm. and if you're a boy the same thing so it's like why stop it just like the hospital should be now imposed on like parents and people around you to be like until the child is old enough or whatever point we decide then they can
1: I I think the question is more at the hospital as soon as your mother pushes out the baby yeah, yeah the newborn baby should they be assigned
0: <laughs> it's a difficult question, is I I think that uh, assigning someone um, a sex at birth is um, is necessary um, because of you know following following uh, children up with regards to their health mm-hmm. uh, is something that medicine is quite gendered mm-hmm. uh, very binary in in certain things and before um, this something that I have to bring in here is that not everyone will present with gender dysphoria or question their gender at a very young age, mm-hmm. some people do but for a lot of other people it's around the time of puberty, Mm -hmm. because that's when, you know, so if if you're a trans man or trans boy who's going through puberty, then you're starting to get a period, Mm -hmm. your breasts are growing, and it's just, I can't even begin to describe how people can be horribly distressed by that, because Mm. I'm a boy, why am I growing breasts? Why am I getting a period? Mm -hmm. I don't want that. So, but to to move to move back to whether we should assign um, you okay. know babies when they're born a uh, uh, sex or not, I think it's necessary in 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 how for medical purposes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you know because a child isn't raised in a in a hospital or in a healthcare setting. A mm-hmm. child is raised at home. They're in a society that has certain gender roles or expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and that affects how they're brought up. Um and so I I don't I don't see the why we need to erase that label uh at birth, knowing that there are benefits to having yeah. that label. Yeah. Uh, I feel so. like yeah, you and, the, and the, put it better. And the question should be like rather than you know, remove that label entirely at birth, uh, it should be that we should work on improving conditions so that if uh, um, someone starts presenting differently, mm-hmm. or if they start experiencing gender dysphoria at whichever uh, age, if they start wanting to uh, experiment with with how they how they dress, mm-hmm. how they act, then there should be space to change that, mm-hmm. rather than say let's just get rid of the of the of the frankly important label mm-hmm. uh, at birth. And, and focus on making things more flexible if someone mm-hmm. does not fit the cis normative path mm-hmm. in life. Yeah, yeah.
1: The, the good point, by the way. I think the reason I'm asking this question is because this woman seemed to be unhappy with the fact that she was assigned mm-hmm. the male sex at birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wishes that was not. Because maybe it, maybe that is also contextual contextual because she was in a place where it's quite um, it's not safe, mm-hmm. um, so maybe that's why. But I've I've also seen a few um, cases like this where in, in in the trans community where they say I don't with my children when I raise them mm-hmm. I would not even disclose um, you know when they have a gender reveal they have yeah. um, uh, baby showers they they will not disclose the sex of the baby. Yeah. Yeah, that is my thing of like, I almost Mm -hmm. feel as if removing it
2: at birth when a baby is born is almost pointless Mm -hmm. because it's like, like Yasmin was saying, they're going to go out into society anyway, where I feel like these gender norms will be imposed on them anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, removing that at the hospital to me, I think will not have that great of an impact actually. Mm
0: Yeah. Um, I think it's good to uh to to remember like like you said jocelyn that things can be very contextual for Mm -hmm. for people Mm -hmm. and so you know and similar to to that woman who said that lots of of trans people will say that they wish they were born cis because um and understandably uh, because their life they believe and and i think because of this privilege that their life would have been easier, they wouldn't have had the barriers in many, many different areas of, of of life. You know, socially, medically, all these things, even in their families. You know, so being born cis would have been less problematic mm-hmm. uh, for them. Um, and some people choose never to disclose that they're uh, that they're trans, mm-hmm. except to very few. Of you know close people, um, and that's completely fine. But on the other hand, some trans people are very proud of of being trans, and they want to show that off. They're happy to discuss that. They openly say that. And honestly, this is okay. That's okay as long as you know you feel safe
3: mm-hmm. in
0: disclosing that then disclose that if you want to. If mm-hmm. you don't feel safe, then, then you know, any, no no one should blame anyone or point fingers and say, oh, but how do you not tell people that you're trans? Like, It's none of your business. So, yeah. so would
1: you encourage, in, in our society now, would you encourage that parents don't disclose the sex of their baby? No,
0: no, <laughs> I wouldn't. I mean, I can't make a recommendation as to what someone... To, you know, to to do with their child in terms of raising them because it's not um, that's not a um, medical issue. Yeah, I think that the reason why I'm asking this question mm-hmm. is because these these people were
1: particularly referring to um, like developing a gender neutral society, yeah. encouraging gender, just gender neutralized, just removing all the yeah.
3: values.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, you can you can definitely work towards. Being becoming a more gender neutral society mm-hmm. and removing some of these very rigid and oftentimes pointless binary uh, attitudes yeah. uh, but still and still be able to, and still tell people that um, my, um, my son, daughter or my child, mm-hmm. R- anything that you want, it's, but it, it doesn't have to be everything mm-hmm. is gender neutral, including. Um, removing that label, not telling people what uh, gender your child is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't recommend that as a whole, but I, I would recommend that society moves to a more gender neutral um, outlook with things like the names that we give to certain jobs or how we, how we label um, certain sections in, in shops, when you go shopping for clothes, for example. And removing the um, just being more inclusive, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's tiny steps. It doesn't have to be, I don't think anyone is, is coming out and, and saying we need to uh, completely obliterate gender, sex, yeah, nothing, there's no difference because there is a difference, mm-hmm. but it, it's fine, it's fine, <laughs> it's fine, it's fine, I it's mean, fine, it's, <laughs> you should be yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah. it's, it's it's normal to be different. Yeah, I
1: think I think um, ignoring the sex might actually become more problematic. It might do more harm than, than than initially intended, because now it's going to be like, but I want to know, like, but, but they. I think they they were saying that okay um, I with my children I will not um, disclose the sex of their baby of the baby or whatnot mm. but they're also saying that family members were really curious they really they really wanted to know what um, what sex the child is because they wanted to come and maybe give gifts and whatnot so I think it it creates that ambiguity as well in terms of like hmm yeah. just just being nosy yeah.
3: <laughs> but,
0: but that's up for every um parent to to decide really if they want to to do that for their child or not mm-hmm. um rather than you know uh, it's it, it really is different it's a very personal choice i'd say mm-hmm. um but i wouldn't recommend it as like a I wouldn't recommend to it to everyone yeah. to everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I would
2: not even think for like family members that I know that's the part for me where I'm like you kind of need like it's good that the parents would do something like that to almost challenge people's obsession mm-hmm. with knowing <laughs> <that, you> which know, <laughs> know, like it's like yeah. is it going to change how much you love them like you can yeah. buy you don't have to buy all oh, blue because it's a boy pink because it's a girl like it doesn't have to be that deep okay I guess so now we can switch over to what we can do better, what we can advise the peoples out there. Yeah. Who'd like to kick us off? Jocelyn.
0: Uh, Allison, yes. What you I, like Joc- I like putting people on the spot. Wow.
1: <laughs> what advice, what can be done better? What can we do better? What advice do you have for people or anybody listening? I think the first thing first, when I'm just thinking about the fact that the medical curriculum, completely disregards healthcare care for trans people, I think that's quite problematic. Um, I think that should be definitely, it should be more inclusive, but also like if, if even the medical students are not particularly aware of some of these issues, like how to correct a patient and asking for their pronouns and whatnot, mm-hmm. and how do you expect them to be fully non-maleficient, non maleficent non-maleficient, uh, benevolent and whatnot in, in their profession, you know, so these are things that matter and these are competitions that are important to have, are, are actually essential to have, especially in the medical field and the global, health, the global health community. Yeah, that's the first thing I would say. And then um, just more to, <laughs> I'm going to speak to the, my people, <laughs> Cameroonians, Africans, you know, if you, you know, if you've grown up in a similar background, as we've mentioned here, it's okay to ask questions and don't maybe ask questions from a place of um, trying to tear someone else down or trying to, to prove a point. Like, ask questions, you know, learn. Um, someone's experience may not be the same as yours, but I literally learn every day. And yeah, that's, that's, that's the advice I would give to our that listeners. That is great advice
0: yeah um, and I would uh, if if any of our listener, uh, listeners of yeah, your listen YouTube yes. <laughs> <laughs> if any of our listeners mm-hmm. are funding bodies, please mm-hmm. provide more funding for research into trans healthcare mm. yeah, but on a personal level mm-hmm. I think that, you sh- we should all be respectful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whether you're a healthcare professional or not uh, be respectful um, and the simplest thing I would say is don't ask someone who uh, who is trans a question that that you wouldn't normally ask someone who is this you mm-hmm. know um, don't don't do that because um, you know it's I think the key thing is be be conscious
1: and, and intentional with your questions like yeah. obviously it's okay to ask questions but really think like is there empathy in the question you're asking are you asking to destroy it, or are you yeah. asking because you genuinely care for this person mm-hmm. care for this person <laughs> yeah. keyword
3: yeah.
2: yeah 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 okay uh i think what you what you both said was great um the only few things i would add yeah like you're saying how you ask the question? I personally make the distinction between you know questions I might ask just a random person maybe yeah. that I'm I'm curious about something about their experience mm-hmm. versus like someone I know more personally you know and I'm mm-hmm. like okay I know you understand that I don't mean any harm. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's things I don't know I might be ignorant about but you know they I know they'll be willing to like take me through it and they don't they won't take offense to what mm-hmm. I'm saying and won't be too triggered. So mm-hmm. that's one approach I'd say. Um, And then, maybe Yasmin, you can back me up here, like I guess for people who may actually be exploring or questioning their gender, my only general advice is, I think it was so hard even in preparing for this episode to look at like academic papers or to feel like I can rely on like clinical people to like, you know, give advice on certain things or how Mm -hmm. best to approach this. And I thought what was really helpful were like the different blogs I saw, different yep. YouTube videos of just people sharing their own experience. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's a great place to start.
0: Yeah, I I would say um, the information coming directly from trans people is is vital to understand what it is like mm-hmm. for someone to experience life as a trans person. So and oftentimes that's all you need. Um, you know, just to be a, a decent human being, you don't, I don't have to know everything about someone before I, it's, it's just, I don't know, it, it frustrates me a <laughs> lot that we, we have to, to say this, but the education is there, unfortunately, you know, you, you can't force people to uh, to learn about something, but I would advise everyone to be very curious mm-hmm. and seek information out uh, from from sources that directly from 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 the, the the group of people that you know just listen to what their experiences are mm-hmm. um, you know and and yeah we we are three cis women talking about this but we're all of us are learning mm-hmm. we want to learn we want to be corrected if, if something's been said that is not, um, that is hurtful or, you know. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, everyone should should keep in mind. Yeah. Uh, keep an open mind, be respectful and mindful and intentional, mm-hmm. like you said, Jocelyn, with, with your questions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes.
2: Uh. That was great, guys. I think we can wrap it up here. Yeah. Unless anyone else has any last final words. <laughs> Any thoughts?
3: (laughs) I have plenty.
2: (laughs) Let me just feel it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But thank you so much, Yasmin, for joining us, for giving us your time. time. Patient with us, correcting us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's great, it was grateful to hear your perspective and from your experience and like the vast yeah. knowledge it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I
0: could talk about this for ages. Yes. Yeah, guys. And also,
1: this final panel disclaimer please, please, please bear in mind that we are young people speaking about this topic. Obviously, we've done some research here and there. That Yasmin is a GP and she has her own experience. But it is not the final (laughs) and all answer to every question we've mentioned here. We are entitled to change our minds about certain questions that we've discussed here. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that oh, this is this is it, right? We're literally just spreading awareness around these issues. We're raising awareness around like um, barriers to care for trans people, and we hope to see a better space in the global health community where everyone feels included. Yes, couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so, Justin, where can the people
1: find us? Okay, so, <laughs> please, 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 you have it here. Please follow us on our socials, okay. on Instagram, at WHI underscore podcast. Twitter at chat on the small podcast. We also have a TikTok account if you want to see small, small banter banter. Go and follow us on TikTok. We have some funny videos on there. And please, we have a Facebook and LinkedIn account for the professionals. So, <laughs> <laughs> whatever you use is called World Health Investigation. We literally are on every social media platform. So, you cannot say you could not find us mm-hmm. because we're out
3: there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, (laughs) thanks again, Yasmin, for joining us. Thank you very much. And thank you,
1: Ajna. Thank you, (laughs) Foster. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. (laughs) And we will
2: see you
3: all next week. Bye. 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 Bye.